Uh, hundred bad guys went towards. towards. He sends those goons to their lords. It's Prince Ali. He's got monkeys. He's got the monkeys. Hi, how are you? I got home an hour and ten minutes ago, mm-hmm. and I have been sleeping for a solid hour after that. <laughs> and I said, kids, no thank you. <laughs> Not today, children. <laughs> Here we are, folks. This is it. Your beloved Catching Foxes. This is what this you is get. Us. This is what you get. This is it. Uh, Luke, what's new in your life in the last four days since... Well, well, I'm in a living hell, isolated from God and everyone I love, and other than that, I'm good. Okay. No, I, I mean, that's being a little bit hyperbolic, but also kind of not. <laughs> that's being a little hyperbolic. <laughs> I'm not actually separated from God and all those I love, but just me. I Yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm having a really tough time, I'll be honest. Uh, it's been a really rough couple days. School was pretty brutal. You know, COVID's been really, really difficult for me. And I know in some ways COVID amplifies things, and in some and and I don't know if maybe I'm like, well, perhaps I wasn't as well off as I thought I was in terms of like spiritually. I'm in a very weird place right now where I just feel um, not where I want to be, and I'm like, my heart and my mind sometimes are kind of at war. I feel very conflicted in a lot of ways, and I wish that I didn't. My heart just kind of feels torn at times. So that's where I'm at. How are you? Uh, you know, I mean, I'm pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not in this uh, miasmic shithole that you're in. No, I uh, I have a Truly's hard iced tea, strawberry iced tea. Uh, it's delicious. <laughs> and I can't feel anymore. So, no. You know, I, I, I'm doing okay, actually. You know, I, I don't think I told you this, but I, like, really jacked up my lower back. You said something about to that effect a couple of weeks ago. So every, it, it was essentially every single day, it was my lower back was getting worse and worse and worse. It wasn't that like where I tweak my back and I couldn't move. It wasn't that bad. But it was just this constant like soreness. And no matter where, what position I was in, where I was, it, it felt like my muscles were tight all the time, always. So uh, I had casually mentioned it to a buddy of mine and he was like, oh, you should get the book desk bound and i was like what's that and he's like oh this guy has a youtube channel i was like what i'm ready for a new religion <laughs> stick it in my veins you had me at you <laughs> you t- <laughs> no so anywho so i ended up getting the book on kindle and i started reading it and it's interesting but in there he had a paragraph where he talked about children with adhd and it was really fascinating because he said so he's talking about living a sedentary life and what that's doing to us as a culture. And he said, for instance, there's this famous study where this guy measured um, or he examined the the running of children on a playground at a school. And he said in first grade, they all go running and the guy like maps them out, like videotapes them. And the kids have like the perfect like like mid heel strike and good, you know, they're not like you know, whatever, you know, they're doing all the things that constitute a an excellent technique for running Mm -hmm. and they're first grade you know they're just running around but then when he went back and measured him a year later in second grade and then went to the second graders in that class they were terrible they were terrible they were heel striking they were overextending they were doing all the stuff he's like what the hell happened so he thinks it's like you know something happened with the school or physical education are they teaching them wrong and he said oh it's chairs and he finds, like, all these kids are always sitting on their butt and all this stuff. So he, 
So this guy made this comment about um, ADHD in children and the rise of inactivity and how it's getting worse and worse younger and younger. I was like, what? And then there's a footnote to a book called Spark. And so I immediately bought the book Spark and I had an audible <laughs> a, thing. A footnote? <laughs> Cha-ching. Yeah. It, it, honestly, I think that was the first time I ever read a footnote and was like, wow. And immediately bought the book. I just like. Doop, boop, boop, oh, boop, that's boop. cool. Yeah. And I got the book and it also had audible narration and I couldn't sleep. I was wide awake and my neighbor, weird crap. So I go downstairs. I, let's just say I opened my back door and there was enough weed second second hand to get half the neighborhood high. And uh, he, he keeps That's having a sudden urge to listen to reggae. <laughs> Babylon. Reggie, you look tired. You shall do the sleepy. I think I sing that song, but I say Lukey every time. Uh and so um, I couldn't go to sleep, so I put this in, and I'm listening to the audio. So instead of listening or reading Deskbound, I'm reading this book called Spark. And I don't know who the guy is. I find out that the guy is uh, the one, one of the heads of Harvard Medical School's like neurochemistry labs or something like that, John Ratley Ratley. And he's, he's one of the leading ADHD specialists. So I'm reading through his book on ADHD, and I'm like, this is fascinating. And he tells a story that he has ADHD. And but he, you know, was never diagnosed until he was well into his career. And he's just telling the story. And then he says this line, and I lost it. He said, For instance, I have never in forty six years of being an adult filed my taxes before October. And I was like, I love this guy. <laughs> you too. Yeah. You twain. And so man, it's just a, it, it was a really honestly, it, it's an excellent book it, it's so eye-opening and you know ever since me and shannon has been going through all of our drama um with the with the miscarriages and whatnot i and i think i've told this to you depression is so multifaceted you know it can it can become different things and for me it was i was i, I would go to work that was fine i could be creative at work that was fine i could laugh and joke with my friends but if it had anything to do with physical exertion I couldn't do it. Like, I didn't want it. Like, I went from me and Shannon doing push-up competitions in February to in April, like, I, I, like I, I couldn't not watch TV and zone out and drink. And it just was awful. And, you know, we had this show. We had this stuff. And I'm, like, realizing I'm in a rut. But I didn't realize. Like, it's so hard. So one of the things I did was I bought an app that I had a long time ago. Long time ago. You know when Nike had Nike Plus shoes? Oh, yeah. You had those little sensors in it. Yeah, that was fire. Your iPod. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, it's called Couch to 5K. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and now there's like 500 of the apps. But I was like, something has got to give. So I started going back into walking regularly, like long distances. And now I've started running. And... uh, I just, when we do this show, all I want you to do, Luke, is be like, so is it typical Gomer or are you actually still doing the couch to 5K? And just make fun of me if I don't, okay? But I want you to mock me and humiliate me, humiliate me if I don't. Because I actually feel great doing it. I feel great moving and all this stuff. So my hope is, um, yeah, my hope is that I can get my stupid ass together and just... Find some peace and and some energy. Um, 
have I have a couple thoughts. One, do you remember um, of the Simpsons thing where like Homer stares up and goes, "Oh Lord, why do you mock me?" And Marge goes, um, "That's not God. That's a burnt waffle." Yeah, like sometimes and then I want, she's yeah, and she scrapes like scrapes it off it the off ceiling yeah. and then he eats it and goes, "Oh sacrilege." <laughs> yeah. There's sometimes I wonder if like all my problems are just that where I'm like I'm like I'm seeing this thing where I'm like why are you mocking me and it's just like this is this I'm like you're fine. <laughs> I'm starting to realize like how kind of bad my stroke was. Oh really? So yeah, I just like, I mean, like it's new manifestations of it and stuff. No, no, I mean there are there are little things here and there. For example, I was in my car and I was jamming to to the song um, "Memphis Will Be Laid to Waste." And I got very excited at the part where the uh, guy from um, "Me Without You." comes up and you know does a whole he laid he laid emeralds in her eyes and it's just like this beautiful holy mess and i almost passed out of my car and i was just like but i was like jamming out or anything i was just like i was i think i was screaming along with it <laughs> you know i was like hey man I, and then also i was like holy shit i just almost passed out there i don't know what that was and so and i'm going 85 yeah i know <laughs> and so there's this like um Luki. <laughs> there's this little bit element of just like i'm like am i okay like am i okay like i don't know if i'm okay or not and it worries me. It really worries me. And I, I know I've been to the doctor. They, they said I was fine, that it's healed. But there just is this element where it's just like, I'm not going to die any second. You know, and that doesn't, I don't feel, I don't feel the way a lot, but like it's there at, at times where I'm just, and yeah. I think one of the hard things about when that happened was I remember being in the car and just being like so dissatisfied with, with like my job in ministry, which sounds super weird. I think it was when I was coming back from that. I was just like, I don't want to waste my time on like frustrating things. Mm. And I love now when I was, when I worked in ministry, I loved working with Sean, who's on the show last week. I loved with Brad and with Mike and stuff, but there was this element to it of like, is this really what I'm going to waste my time with? Which is like insane new bureaucracy. I I was reading Everleo's book and she gave me this Bible story. You have a line that has like a paragraph that's like, "Thank you, God, for for this," but she can't handle like the paragraph right now. So we just do like the line and then the prayer at the end. And I was like, and then uh, Jonah, thank God for getting him out of the whale of bureaucracy, <laughs> you know, like that. <laughs> and bureaucracy. Um, there's just this a part of me that is so. I just like it's. I don't know. It's. I don't know how to put this. So I'm just, I'm just going to say it, and I'm. I hope I don't screw anything up for us. Say it, and then we'll deal with the regret later. Like, I just feel like I'm agnostic. Yeah. And I know that I'm, like, and in my heart of hearts, I'm like, am I? I'm like, no. When I think about God and certain stuff, it makes so much sense. And then sometimes, like, in my, it's like the hidden parts of my life that no one sees. I'm just like, where are you? Why doesn't this make sense right now? Like, why does this, I mean, and a part of it's, I guess, the beauty of God, the joy of um, community, like it makes sense there. But I'm like, why doesn't this make sense on my own? Like, why do I feel this emptiness and this pull and just this like void of nothingness when I am on my own? Don't under, I've never really experienced this. And it like really hurts. It like, I, I, it hurt, I don't know how else to say it, but like it hurts my feelings. Like, cause I just feel this thing of like, I'm trying and I'm doing everything. I mean, I'm, I'm not doing everything, you know, like I know what I'm not, you know, but it like, it's like, and it's, I'm like, what, what, why does this have to be like this sometimes? And I, and I just, I was trying to f- um, figure out a, um, a like um, a um, way to explain it where, and what came to mind was I just wanted to be like, I just want you to make sense. Everything else that's not you sometimes makes more sense in the moment. And I'm so tired of that. 
And I'm like, I'm tired of hurting people. I'm tired of letting people down. I'm tired of being horribly selfish. Like I'm tired of these things, but I just, sometimes I, I just feel this little bit. I don't know if this is just like a COVID thing. And I, I'm, I'm severely stressed out with just like work and school and trying to be a good husband, which I'm failing at horribly. And like all these things that I'm just like, I'm trying and I'm not, School, I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> like, I'm doing really well in school right now. I, isn't, like, isn't it amazing, though? But that's specific and measurable and quantifiable, whereas yeah. relationships aren't, you know? It's not like, well, I've fulfilled 100% of the items of good husbandry today to bed yeah. with me. And you I know, like, I'm done. You know, and I just, like, like on, on Sunday morning, I just felt so disconnected from Aaron and Everly. I was just like, I feel like I, I don't want to live like this. But it, it it's just, there's no... I feel like I have no uh, sanctuary. Mm. And I kind of came into like a realization on something. I was like, I need to try to make my family my sanctuary. And it's just, it's, it's a little bit hard for me right now because I, 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 I don't even know how to put any of this. Um, there's just this disconnect. I come home and I hang out and then I, I podcast, I have schoolwork or I've, I've got a late thing for work. I feel as if part of my life is on pause. You know, so it's not the Don Draper thing where it's like you get passed over and no one really like notices you. But there's this essence of like everything in my life is at um, surface level. And so and I'm not allowed to go deep anywhere. And so it's just like sports or it's internet. I got rid of all the Catching Foxes social media. We're not out there anymore. We're done with that. And I'm done with that. And I was like, I can't, like, I'm using the internet. And I don't want to be this person. You know, I don't. I don't want to be this person that gets onto, like, a Twitter fight or that, like, goes on the Reddit and gets, like, a lot of rage because of, like, whatever. I don't want to be that person who just has these little, like, microcosm relationships with, like, screens and articles. And I mean, I don't watch TV right now at all, hardly. I don't want to be this person that has these, like, micro, like, you know, we talked about, like, a, um, a micro dose of um, Divinity or what was that thing we called it? Like, um, not like, not, not like a um, micro affair where you have the little thing where you, like, you, you spend a couple extra minutes talking to that one girl or something because it's like, oh, I get along with you and you're pretty. So while I'm doing a ministry, I, f- I forget, like, we had a term for that. I forgot wh- oh, what we, we called did? it. Oh, yeah. Hmm. You know what I'm talking about, right? Well, I mean, I, that, that you're describing it, but I don't remember talking about it. We had a whole thing. Yeah. We had a whole thing. Maybe we just like, like an emotional affair? Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's what we call it. But, it, okay. but it's, it's where it's like very short, you know? And so it's just something where it's not, you're not like crossing lines per, per se. This is going to go nowhere, but you validate me on an emotional <laughs> exactly. level for the next five minutes. Exactly. And I feel like I'm doing that. That's I want to hit on you because I'm desperate for to be reminded that I'm still a man that yeah. exists in the world, and, I've, I'm, and I'm I'm the one who's responsible for all this years. I might as well talk to someone. <laughs> and I feel like on the internet, I feel it sounds really weird, but like I feel like I'm doing that with all these different things. It just is like I just need five minutes of something to consume my time, please. And I'm like, this isn't fair to anyone. No one's getting the best of me. Everyone is just getting used by me. It's not. It's not just social media. It's the whole freaking internet, YouTube article culture of like there's always something else to rob your attention and to take your energy mm-hmm. and it is it is funny but like in in reading wild at heart one of the things he talked about was the what do you call them like sports widows or something like that like wives on sunday who all of a sudden lose their husbands to sports or whatever yeah yeah and it's like that 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 exists for people as a, it, of course it's a way of medicating Mm-hmm. And and when it's social media and people are cheering you on doing it, like no one's cheering you on when you watch like Shannon watching NASCAR at home, other than me taking pictures and posting it on Patreon.com slash CF. That's Patreon.com slash CF. <laughs> that place is fine. 
Nothing's that place is still fine. there. Exempt, Everything's fine. Exempt. The Discord is a little wild west, but still better. <laughs> the Discord's so great. It is. Um, no, but what I'm saying is, like, with the social media component, that feedback loop is what keeps us so stuck. And it makes it feel like community in so many different ways. And I'm sure you can make it work in powerful and healthy ways. Uh, my buddy was telling me about this, like, 75-year-old doctor who started mapping all these research projects because of the glory of Twitter. And I'm sure it's good. But for me, it's oh, not. Yeah. It was yeah. murdering my soul. And it's and I think you just you you found a different way of articulating the same problem. It's not just like Twitter makes me angry. It's like it it consumes me, like it mm-hmm. did Jenny in the damn diary of the second yeah. Harry Potter. No, totally, like, totally. It consumed her, and she poured herself into this thing that robbed her of her life. And that's how I feel like it, it, all this stuff is doing. I felt so bad because I'm like, I'm just using these people. Like these are other people who are at the other ends of the, at the other end of this. You know, so U.S. soccer Twitter right now is a mess, and it's a vile place a lot of times right now because of just the. Are you there? I am. Okay. Uh, should I stop my video? No, I was just taking off my pants. I <laughs> want you to see my junk. <laughs> oh, boo. Um, <laughs> U.S. soccer Twitter, go on. Yeah, they're just, and the people are very angry at the coach. He really screwed up a lot of stuff, and I'm, I'm angry too, but it's just like this, like, I don't know, I was listening to this, uh, there's, uh, there's like radio host that I love. His name is um, Jason Davis. He does a podcast I've talked about before called The Best oh, Soccer Show. He, uh, I don't remember you ever talking about that. I've brought it up like once or twice. I'm lying. You have talked about it several times. Okay. Uh, there is there are two um, soccer podcasts that, that I that I talk about. Uh, it's, best damn soccer. There's show. the total uh, soccer show, and then this is the best um, soccer show. Get it right. And so, uh, no, you're right. You're right to call me out on that. Yeah. So. The best um, soccer show was the one that convinced me. It was one of the things that like inspired me to start this because I was hearing his um, story about how he got started. I was like, we should just do it, you know. So, anyways, <laughs> anywho, what's my point? Oh, he was he was saying how he was like, I almost quit my radio show because a person told me I was making American soccer worse by by I'm um, doing this because everyone's upset that like when we when we lose like that our uh, they think feel like American soccer along the media is not nearly as harsh as the English um, soccer along the media and if we were people in higher um, positions the U.S. soccer would be held more accountable i.e. the coach and people in U.S. soccer I'm um, a federation it's a whole thing sounds fun and I'm like I have thoughts on this but I'd rather just text with Greg Owinski about it you know, like I'd rather just text my buddy, I'm Anthony. I'd rather just talk with my friends about this than people that I don't know, like real, like real people in my life. And I'm like, I don't. And then I, I think about the people on the other end and I'm like, my frustration or my whatever towards you, you don't deserve this. And I'm just using you because I want to distract. And like, I feel like I was losing my edge with school a bit. Oh, really? Yeah, I really did. It was getting to a point where I was just like, and I'm just, it's like I'm on like all the time, but I just felt like I wasn't. I mean, I'm doing, like, awesome right now, but uh, I feel like I was. <laughs> Let me reiterate, uh, one of America's most prestigious colleges, I'm crushing. It's uh, yeah. pretty easy. I even quoted you, Luke, in my parish business meeting. <laughs> That's awesome. My buddy Luke, who's getting his degree from Notre Dame, he said... Blah, 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 blah. Right. That's what everyone heard, but man. Woo! <laughs> deeply spiritual. <laughs> Not very religious, though. <laughs> Not at all. And so yeah, and I and I you know and I know I'm probably I'm being a little bit hyperbolic. There's a little bit of COVID stuff. There's a little bit of you know, whatever, of just the world just is just dragging me down. But finally, I 
for whatever reason, I saw like the lack of humanity in myself and the humanity in other um, people. And I was like, this is a problem. You're self-free. You set yourself free. Did you delete your own accounts or just yeah, Yeah, everything. Nice. I'm not on social media at all. I, except for LinkedIn. Oh, well, I mean, that's where the news is breaking. Well, yeah, I know. I said no one ever. <laughs> <laughs> but I, like, use it for work and stuff, so. I'm on LinkedIn to get business tips up to the minute oh or day gosh. or month. The boomer <laughs> Catholics, oh, my, they're just like, more of this, waking up early, being on time, work ethic, not complaining. I'm like, okay, we get it. Calvinism. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm just like (laughs) Protestant work ethic. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know who came up with that whole critique of uh, of uh, the Protestant work ethic of Americans? It was a guy named Max Max Weber. Max Weber, spelt Weber, but Weber. With with Max Weber, you don't make love. You strap on and feel the G's. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was strap in and feel the G's. Oh, sorry. Yeah, strap on. That makes it sound that that actually is. is, One is the Simpsons. The other one's Deadpool. Those are two different categories. uh, Yikes, Luke. Yikes. Sorry. (laughs) I was just saying whatever. I wasn't really thinking what I was saying. (laughs) I just use words. I I don't measure my words. I don't think about what I say. I'm a podcaster. Yeah. That's other people. That's their job. Be I'm intentional with your time and efforts. No, thank you. I'm an artist. Our sponsor today is our friends over at faithinvestors.com. Visit faithinvestors.com slash foxes to download a free guide on finances and the Christian life. In today's world, it is more important than ever that we actively live out our faith in every aspect of our lives. In Centesimus Anus, St. Pope John Paul the Great tells us, even the decision to invest in one place rather than another, in one productive sector rather than another, is always a moral and cultural choice. When investing for retirement and savings, this can be daunting. When we don't have the time to spend pouring through prospectuses, that's a hard word, and financial jargon to understand every investment we are making. Most Catholics are unaware that while they are out fighting for an end to abortion, mutual funds that they just bought are investing in those very companies that create abort-efficient drugs and support Planned Parenthood. Faithinvestors.com is an initiative of core capital management and research that helps the faithful manage the four main tenets of a well-ordered Catholic financial life. One, aligning your investments and retirement with your Christian values. Two, giving good charities support Christian values. Three, safeguarding your family's future. And four, securing the future of the local church. Your financial actions can reflect your moral and Catholic life so that, as the Pontifical Council for Justice and Peace says, even the economy and progress can be transformed into places of salvation and sanctification. Core Capital, who brings us faithinvestors.com, is a SEC registered Houston-based investment advisor that works with individuals, businesses, churches, and charities around the country. Core Capital has been ranked as one of the top wealth advisors with no minimums by the Houston Business Journal from 2015 to 2021. That's right, no minimums. They believe that everyone deserves professional financial advising. John Barry, a senior partner at Core Capital and faithful listener to the show and personal friend of mine, launched faithinvestors.com to help fellow Catholics take control of their financial lives. Call them today about faith investing at 281 281- Six seven four seven three nine four, or visit them at faithinvestors.com slash foxes to learn more about how to invest according to your faith, how to safeguard your family's future, choose the right charities that support your beliefs and carry out the work of the church, and to ensure your parish's financial future is secure. That's faithinvestors.com slash foxes. Thanks to our good friends over at Faith Investors for sponsoring this show. A weird thing happened to me today, Luke. Weird thing. What happened to you? Sorry for the sneeze there. 
Bless you. Nomine Patris, Epideus, Spiritus Sancti. I, not allowed to do that. Thanks, Pope Francis. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I thought it's because you're a, I'm a, you're are a, I'm a lay person, don't have the right of priestly ordination or whatever. Uh, yeah, maybe both. You know, there are some people uh, who think that we shouldn't be praying over uh, people because of that. I never do that. Yeah, yeah. I hate intercessory prayer too. But, uh, <laughs> now I, I can get the laying on of hands. I mean, there's an argument there, totally. Sacramentality, right? That matters. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, a weird thing happened today, which was I volunteered to teach one of our fifth, sixth grade youth ministry programs called Anchor. We were talking about the covenant with Noah, and I said, hell yeah, let me, let me do that talk, give you a break. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, 10-year-olds, are you, are you ready to have your mind blown? No, sir. Well, too bad. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about Noah and how God killed everyone. Just don't talk about his daughters. <laughs> but but my daughter Katiri is in anchor. Oh, so today was literally the first like. What was that like? It was, it was well. I told her she kept like fake a joke like dad, and I told her I said, "Listen, Katiri, I'm just going to be honest with you. Just so you can actually enjoy the teaching, I'm not going to mention you. I'm not going to make fun of you from the stage. I'm not going to do any of that stuff." I want you just to listen and do what all the other kids do. Because it's that thing, you know, where you're like, my daughter Kateri's right over there. Oh, dad. And I didn't want that. I, I wanted her to be able to receive the teaching like everyone else and just be a, like not feel. Because it's a small enough group because of COVID, right? Like our youth group is our youth group's about 70%, 75% of what it used to be mm-hmm. for fifth and sixth grade. So it's like 100, 130 people. And I just didn't want her feeling like, here is my dad doing dad things. And uh, right now, I don't know, good listeners, if you want me to tell you this, but Luke is trying to seduce me. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring this. As soon as I saw how I looked in the video, I was like, well, this has got to change. <laughs> yeah, well, let's uh, turn off the old camera. Luke has a bed upstairs in this podcasting room, and uh, he decided to lay down the sideways way, on yeah. it and it was, stare was, seductively at me. That was awkward. Me. I just want to stretch out. Yeah, but it was it was cool. It was cool, and it was weird, and it was different teaching a youth group, and my daughter is in it. It's just weird. It's you know that's like not going to change for about twenty years. Shut your shut your face hole. Like you're on this roll now for you know. Let's see how old. Is, how old is um? Noah? Thomas is six. Thomas is my youngest. He's six. So Thomas, I'm sorry, I'm a terrible friend. That's okay. Uh, yeah. so you got yeah. So twelve years of that man. I know. Twelve years of that. By the time that ride ends, you'll be in your early 50s. Well, I mean, we'll be millionaires with Catching Fox. Oh, yeah, c- clearly. Yeah, oh, man, <laughs> I can't wait. Can't wait till the millions roll in. Ascension Turn- Press, Spotify, <laughs> other Catholic media companies. We are very much for sale. <laughs> for- <laughs> oh, speaking of being much. for sale, guess who emailed us inviting us back oh, to be yeah, 2022 very- podcasters? <laughs> we... <laughs> We may have been banned from the last one, but we're sure as heck going to be at the next one. We're back, baby. Seek 2022. I'm so excited. Although I wish it was in person. It kind of really bumps me out that it's not. I didn't read. It's not at all. I don't think. I got the impression it was. There were like small groups. I, I, I got the impression. Oh, I don't know if we're yeah. allowed to say any of this. <laughs> well, <laughs> never, it never, there's, it's not like I signed a confidentiality agreement. Well, I just, I don't want, you know, I I don't know. They they may not be telling people yet what they're doing. Oh, damn it. You're right. I just want to respect 
All right, let me read through it real quick. <laughs> <laughs> you just uninvited yourself. I glanced. One yes, of a kind seriously. event. Gather as small groups. You make one comment about oral sex and everyone loses the... Bring it, bring Backing out of that um, conversation. Do you ever read um, Llama Llama Red Pajama? Yeah. I love that story. Llama Llama Mad at Mama. Yeah. Why is, why is Mama Llama wearing pearls? To distinguish her from all the other llamas. But there are no llamas in the house besides her and baby llama. Doesn't make any sense. And who's she talking to on the phone? I have a theory that actually um, Mama no, Llama runs a drug car, car, cartel. So she's always got to look nice when she's got to, like, you know, bash in some heads to keep people in line. Makes sense. So she's on the phone because she's got to get that precious, precious Colombian Coke. Oh. And so she's like, shut up, kid. I got to, I got to, I'm going to. Get some coke, and then when like it's time, she like feigns interest, and she's like, "Um, llama, llama, red pajama. Please be patient with with your mama. She's got deals to make." Did you hear about um hear about like Mick Jagger when he was at this North Carolina um bar? No, what happened? So apparently they were playing a show somewhere in North Carolina, and he just goes like a hole in a wall bar oh, with this guy, and no one recognized him. So we got so we got like a picture of himself there, and then posted it to his almost social media page the very next day. And everyone was like, what the hell? Because <laughs> he just like, um, no one just recognized him. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I wonder what like what that's got to be like for someone who's as, who's as famous as him. Yeah. You know what's funny, though? It kind of proves the whole like uh, – uh, uh, like it proves that people over at, over at Marvel are right. All you need is just like a hat, a plain hat, and no one's going to recognize you. Yeah, or or the people at DC just a pair of glasses. I mean, this is Mick Jagger at the at the bar he was at. Everyone there would know who he was. Mm. But you just put on a hat. It's like, wait, who are you? I'm very confused here. Where is Luke? Where is Luke? You bring him back right now, you body stealer. His head is a size eight. He can't wear hats. <laughs> oh man, now you sound like my mom. Taking me to that store in the mall called Lids where they get fitted baseball caps, but they don't make one big enough for little Mikey, do yep, they, Mom? Happened to me. Do yep. They? yep. It's the worst, uh. right? The Matrix has ended. It's a new better help read from your friend Luke. Uh, so you guys have heard us talk about I'm a better help before at length. And we're gonna talk about better, that's H-E-L-P again. Listen, better help can help you get hooked up with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start um, communicating with one in less than like 48 hours. It's not a crisis line, it's not self-help. It is professional online counseling done uh, securely online. You, you've heard it talked about on our show, you've heard it talked about like a whole bunch of podcasts. Look, guys, God wants you to find from a healing. God wants you to be the person he created He create you to be. And if you're over the age of 25 and you haven't been to counseling, now is the time. BetterHelp is committed to um, facilitating great therapeutic um, matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It is more of affordable than traditional offline counseling and this is cool financial aid is available so um, better help wants you to start i'm um, living a um, happier life today go to their website read all all of the testimonies that are on there posted daily and guess what guys 
Guess what? Go to BetterHelp.com slash foxes. That's BetterHelp.com slash foxes. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been, have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in, in all 50 states. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Catching Foxes listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash foxes. So if you go to BetterHelp, you will get 10% off your first month. That is fantastic. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring yet another episode of everyone's favorite podcast, Catching Foxes. Okay, I got, I got a question for you, Luke. Yeah. How can you be friends with someone who irritates you? Whoa, ho, ho, ho. Let me rephrase this. Let me put this in, in a greater context. Yeah. How are you still friends with me? <laughs> um, me and John and Adam talk about you behind your back. So um, <laughs> so you find ways of coping. <laughs> no. Hey, guys, um, for every hour I talk to Gomer, can we, like, just hop on a Zoom call for, like, 45 to <laughs> just 60 hours? Like, it just, Gormley's a bit much. He's so much of a square. He, he's a... Paint me like one of your French girls. Okay, so um, <laughs> that doesn't work because no one has a visual. <laughs> uh, I almost spit Truly's hard iced tea all over my video podcasting, audio podcasting <laughs> setup. So, okay, um, in college, you you would have this thing where people would be like, "You don't have you don't have to like them; you do have to love them." Which I think was just an ex- was a, an um, excuse to not be a massive prick. Yeah. Yeah, like, but just enough of a one, but not like, holy crap, man! Like, back off a little bit. I, I truly think I don't think you have to act like because honestly, like, you only have like X amount of time in the day. You don't have to be best friends with with everyone. You do have to treat everyone as if you really do um, like them, though. And there might be things about them that they that you know. I, I'm I'm talking. I'm not talking like you punch babies. I don't want to talk to you. I'm, I'm talking like you have a weird laugh and I just can't stand it, kind of thing. Yeah, ew. It, you just kind of have to like be willing to put up with it. And just offer honestly, I think Saint Therese has a great thing about that, where she just just offers it up. There's a handful of things that Therese is known for from her uh, story of the soul, and one of them is she befriends this incredibly difficult person, and this woman thought that they were best friends, and she's like, "No, oh, it's like a mortification for me to befriend you," but like that's the power of love. And so this uh, Benedictine monk was like so inspired. By the story of Therese, that he went and befriended the most irritating brother. And he said, I couldn't make it 24 hours. In your life right now, are there really difficult people um, like whose personalities are difficult that that you're around enough? Like, I, none of those people exist at my work. Coworkers? Yeah. There are a couple that exist as parishioners. That yeah. I have to deal and with. that's I, – I do think kind of comparing it to college, it's going to sound terrible. Um don't compare it to college. Compare it to your well, life right now. No, but I think in college you have more access to different kinds of people. Oh yeah, and you're you're living so close. Yeah, to yeah, and there's yeah, I think that's a valid point too. But I also think sometimes the things of people that would really annoy me, those people in terms of the type of work that I do, they're just not going to be around. Or in, in like the social circles that I'm in, which could be like a fault of mine that I need to like expand that a little bit. Yeah, you know, there's one person in particular that I um, am like thinking of who I just don't have anyone in my life like him at all. And I wonder if that's actually a problem. With difficult personalities, when you know you have a difficult personality, you need to work on it. Like, I know I'm not, 
I know where my irritation, but like I snapped at a couple core members who were challenging me over something and they were so nitpicky that it immediately irritated me. And I, I, I feel like I have the social skills and the awareness and cues to like, okay, Gormley, you know how to de-escalate this. But I was just like, listen, I'm not talking about issuing a public policy statement. Calm down. I'm just talking about sending an email to some parents, right? Like I like lost it, and it was it was this moment where it like at one point it was like in slow mo with these two people yeah, who are very yeah. wonderful people, yeah. and but they were irritating the hell out of me because they were nitpicking, and I just like there was a point where like the slow mo happened and it was like like the angel and devil being like, well, Gormley, you could escalate or you could de-escalate. <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, I'm escalating. And I just yelled at them. And I, I I did not apologize and I still won't. But <laughs> it is real I have I have two friends in particular that are irritants to me. That when I get around them, it's like, okay, I need like a ten day detox. And when they text me tomorrow about what happened today, I'm gonna ignore their text message for at least five days because they're so irritating. But I love them ish. It is. It is no. re- I don't know how to – like the only way I deal with them is in micro, I microdose them. No, I'll do like one big event with them maybe once every three months, and that's as much as I can do if I'm alone with them. It's funny. Like one of the great things about my beautiful, beautiful cohort is you kind of got to experience that again mm-hmm. where it was like a month being with people, and there are certain um, people in the class where it's just like, holy crap, dude. <laughs> you know, or like just like, oh, my gosh. And it's real easy to like make jokes with like your friends of just like this is really happening, you know. Or and that's for me probably where I experience it the most because it's just that constant. Like it's just your you have a lot of different personalities. So all of a sudden you just have to get real intimate, you know. And if you're really going to get to know each other, and you're going to be around each other for like you know, in my case, like thirty days. I'm sure there are people that like I was that too, you know, where it's like oh my gosh, like we get it. You have a podcast. No one cares. Yeah. No, you you definitely are the irritating friend out of that group. No, it's fair. Yeah, yeah. I I do think you're right. That you just like there, there is a point in time where it's like I'm going to lose my I'm going to like lose my mind, and especially if it's a personality that like for whatever reason doesn't understand some boundaries. You have that in a lot of uh, young adult mm-hmm. ministry stuff where it's just like I'm not going to keep investing in you if you're not going to like try. Yeah, you know, or if you're just going to sit here and just be like blah blah blah. Like I remember this one guy. I was I was. Uh, we were like getting on lunch or something, and I was just like, "You're like, you don't really want to try, so I'm not going to take the time to bother." Which, like, perhaps it's like you know that was wrong of me to have that approach, but I, I just was like, I, I don't know what to do here. You know, there's like, a lot of people. There's a lot of people that for them socializing means like giving you their doctoral dissertation. Right, like yeah, they don't know yeah. how to do it, and it's like, hey, like you know, I mean, I've talked about it before, but um, how I attract the nerds. When we do our Catching Foxes live thing, and which I love because we get to have these incredible conversations. But some of them, the the one guy I was talking about, like the very first thing he said to me wasn't even hello, wasn't anything. It was, so what do you think about the metropolitan model of the sex abuse crisis? And I was like, oh, God, I just want to drink beer. <laughs> I don't and that know. was the first. Yeah. And I got locked in. I mean, it was literally a 20-minute conversation. Here's the thing that, that, that really irritates me is when there's 100 people in the room, and I'll tell you who's the worst at it. The worst at it are parents. There's 100 people in the room. Things are happening, but they're like, no, 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 but you need to answer this right now. 
Like, Ray, oh, let me redirect everything. And you're like, oh, my gosh. So what I have learned in those situations is I am – I actually I haven't fully learned it, but I see I become ineffective after, you know, five minutes with that type of thing where you're in a big environment. There's 100 people. You know, 20 people are in a, literally in a line wanting to talk to you, and one person is just monopolizing your time. Yeah. I've learned how to uh, – I, I, again, I'm trying to learn right now how to, with charity, shut that conversation down and move on to the next. Yeah. And without being super dickish because I've had – I mean, I've had people do it dickishly, but I don't want to do that. So I got another question. You ready? Mm-hmm. Yep. So this is, again, from our Discord. Castle asks, I would love to hear your thoughts on testimony pressure. This has been a topic on every news show about before. But yeah. what I mean by that is uh, I have sometimes observed, especially in deeply Catholic communities, the implicit pressure to overshare your testimony, deep sins, wounds, hurts, um, or sins, deep wounds, hurts, etc., and their relationship to your faith before, A, having gotten to a place of maturity and healing, or B, without sufficient discernment of whether this sharing is something that God's asking you to do. And he talks about, like, he himself or she herself, yeah, has been pressured to do this, and they, there's some regret there, and what do we do? It feels out of place. There's peer pressure. Uh, I, I know we've talked about this before, like, way early on in the show, I'm pretty sure, but mm-hmm. in Every Need Shall Bow, we've had a couple episodes on how to give your testimony, and the main thing is... Quit glorifying sin. That's not the point of a testimony. You're not trying to, like, ooh-ah them at how horrible you were and how, like, and then Christ came into my life and everything's better. And the cocaine and the hookers were gone. <laughs> <laughs> mostly. Wait, did he say mostly? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I've always told that, like, my, my favorite story is our buddy Brian Kelsch. Brian Kelsch was at an event. Heard of him legend Brian Kelsch was at an event at my old parish in St. Lawrence in Sugarland, and these guys at this retreat were he had <laughs> they invited him to help critique their uh testimonies and all the testimonies you might as well have swapped out the people for Father John Carapi and his famous testimony it was all like coke and hookers and then I met Jesus and now I'm fine yeah um, aren't I cool aren't I cool this is how Christians act cool look at how sinful I was but then the pressure is always to ratchet up and Brian after hearing him he walked up to the leader and he was like so and he had critiqued every testimony the same it sounds like you're more fixated on sin than you are your savior and what Christ has done for you and the guy said well thank you so much for your feedback and he's like great yeah the next one you have you know I'd be happy to come and he goes nah I don't think we're gonna ask you he goes what and he goes we're not looking for the type of critique you're giving thank you though I mean we really appreciate your time and he's like oh shit they just want the sensation like that's all they want because they think the emotional high of being like, oh, my gosh, your life was so terrible. What they don't realize is 90% of the people in the room are not doing coke off the stomachs of hookers. They are – stomachs. I cleaned it up. <laughs> they are <laughs> They are just average Joes raising their kids and, and, and having marriage problems and kid problems and yeah. work problems. That's, yeah. And yeah. they're looking for the testimony of the person saying – I became faithful. It was really hard, but now I'm plugging at it every day, and this is what it looks like. And the problem with the sensational testimonies is it doesn't glorify Christ. It glorifies the before Christ. I have two opinions on it. Like, one, I think I get annoyed with a testimony because I I feel like it's this big idea of, um, like, I'm I'm done. There's no work to be done here. You know, there's – and I'm like, that's not – 
I am very, very much a work in progress on a lot of levels. And I, I don't like the presumption that I'm done or that I should be done, you know, or putting other, or, or, or making other people feel as if they're wrong because they're not, you know, done. But at the same time, I do think there needs to be this element of like, well, why are you here? Mm-hmm. And I, when I check myself, when you really ask that and you can provide an honest answer, there's a real, like, there's like a beauty there. Yeah. You know, like, why am I here? What has God done in my life that has caused me to get to this point? And I think it's, that's one of the, like, going back to what, what I was talking about, like, earlier, one of the things that it's just, like, really, um, like, really um, made me sad is, like, why am I here not having a good answer for it besides because I am Catholic and I have a podcast and this is, and this is what I am and this is, like, what I do. I'm like, well, what is God doing in my life right now that, like, is causing me to be here? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know. And that makes me sad. And I don't yeah. know what I, you know, and, and that, now that's probably a lot more about me than it is about God. That's, and I, that's where I think, and I, I mean, and there's a time and a place for both. You know, there, like, there really is. And I, I think, but we should all, like, I believe it's St. Paul who says, always be ready to, like, give um testimony. Yeah. And I think that's. St. Peter. Like, okay, sorry. St. Always, Peter. always be ready to give a defense. And that's where the word um, apologetics comes from, the Greek. Uh, apology always be ready to give a defense for the reason for the hope that's within you and 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 it makes sense like why that why he would say that like it, it that makes sense i just feel like people want to jump to it way too fast like it's okay if you're here because it's interesting you know and it's like i've i've allowed god in to my life and it's i've kind of it's been interesting you know like, i don't know I, I feel it doesn't always have to be this like i was once lost and now i'm found yeah because that's just, I don't know. I don't constantly feel, I don't know. Do you feel like that? Do you feel like that? Do you feel like that um, more often than not? Do you feel like what more often than not? I, I, that, you were once, that you were once lost, but now you are found. Part of the growth and maturity in my own Christian walk is realizing that Christianity is following the way of the Lord Jesus. And that el- element that you used to say with your... Um, young adult program that i think on the last episode you said was a failure the viva thing no, i was talking via. about um via i'm not sure via yeah. exists anymore that's why i was just kidding but you had this line that you used to say about via which is the understanding that everything is a pilgrimage right via yeah. on the way right? yeah, yeah 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 and then of course joseph peeper the world's greatest thomist talking about uh and when his wonderful book on hope talking about where the status via or that we're our status is we're always on the way and this, I, I think sometimes testimonies corrupt our notion of being pilgrims because we're presenting a model over and over and over again. If the whole point of the testimony is, is just the testimony, then I think sometimes it creates that false atmosphere of like, look, I'm done. But for me, that loss and I'm found, I would say that there's a profound moment in my life where... There's a before Christ and an after Christ, even though I was raised Catholic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that yeah. was that was the moment when I read Song of Songs chapter two, verses eight through seventeen, and it and it changed my life. More than any Sumville conference, more than any life team retreat, just reading that in the context of adoration in my own life and all the stuff, God spoke to me through a Letzio Divina of those words, and everything was different and it was joyful. But other than joy, it wasn't like an emo- I wasn't crying, I wasn't laughing, I wasn't. But there's this there's this understanding that like you know uh, there's a reason why me and you are recording an hour earlier than we usually do, because 
me being depressed and me dealing with all this crap in my life, a whole host of new temptations have reared their head that I am ill-equipped in my, you know, shitty state to deal with. And so it reminds me that, like, hey, Gormley, you're not freaking finished yet. Like, Mm -hmm. you're not dead. You're not standing before me in the beatific vision. So you're still on the way. And I never want for the rest of my life to give a single adult that I meet in my youth in my uh, adult ministry programs and and dealing with parents in youth ministry and children's faith formation, I never want them to think that there's a finish line other than perfect conformity to Christ. And I'm mm. not there yet, and they can clearly tell I'm not. But like it kills me when we create this atmosphere where people feel like that. So do you ever? I do wonder if sometimes I take it all for granted too much. Like if that's part of my problem. Yeah. I think you know. it is. I really think it is, Luke. I mean, like, you're not asking me, but I'm telling you, like, me and you grew up in this. The danger of being a hack is so real. Like, yeah. this is our job to talk about this stuff. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. sometimes, sometimes, sometimes I get more life out of talking about Marvel than I do out of talking about, now, not at the atonement. I could talk about that forever. <laughs> Oh, hello, document on the atonement that's in the corner of my screen, I see. But there's so much in my faith that is so dry because of how we politicize every effing thing. Yeah. And it's like, like I love liturgy, but I feel like I can't talk about it without being grouped in a category. And I'm like, okay, well, my whole life I've never loved liturgy because of these things. Or vent some of your frustrations. Yeah. But like my my whole life I've never been, uh, because I know I'll become a Nazi and I or I knew back then now I'm not but like that that tendency was always in me so I avoided it and now that I've immersed myself in an academic kind of like thing I'm like wow this is so beautiful why didn't I know this and and immerse myself in this and love this before but at the same time um there's an element that's like Gormley you have no freaking idea how deep how deep the rabbit hole goes so uh, the Testimony culture, whether you're talking about, you know, conferences or retreats or, you know, whatever, can tend to produce that. And I, I don't want that in my life. I got another question for you. You yeah, ready to go. move on? Yeah. That was good. Uh, what situations might it be permissible to use CBD? Uh, I don't – I think pretty much anything. Yeah. So – Right? Yeah. This is essentially, you know, the Buffalo more – soldier. <laughs> calming <laughs> agents – Anti-anxiety agents produced from the cannabis plant um, that does not have the hallucinogenic compound. So, you know, for me, I I tell people all the time, we use medicine that knocks people out, that fuzzes people's brains to do dental work, to do surgery, you know, to morphine and all that stuff. We use that stuff all the time. We don't call it into question until people use it out of the context of medicinal application. I am 100% in favor of medicinal marijuana, not just w- even with the hallucinogenic compound, all this stuff, because there are certain pains and symptoms that can, that n- any normal medicine that we have cannot work. Yeah. A plant, even if it has crazy side effects, the plant itself can be incredibly healing for people. And so I'm not telling people to go out and take CBD oil and blah, 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 which is. Good Lord, for so many people, like if, if I see another CBD oil thing, let's be a, a CBD oil dispensary it's together. The, it's the new crypto. I have, I literally have no problem 
with this stuff, the intoxicant effect always needs to be viewed as, am I pursuing the intoxication of it as opposed to the medicinal effects of it? Yeah. And the medicinal effects, like sometimes, like for glaucoma and a whole, you know, and people always make fun of that now, but like there are diseases whose chronic pain cannot be mitigated by anything other than smoking marijuana in a freaking joint. And I, who cares? It's healing. It helps people. Yeah. Like, okay, but you know the difference between the medicinal and the recreational, right? Anxiety is an effing murderer. Yeah. Part of the, th- I think part of the thing with weed is like weed culture is just so annoying. <laughs> so it's like there is a Denver. I know. Let's be honest. Denver has been part of its culture has been, I feel like, like destroyed because of weed. Yeah, I've heard that from some people. God, I, 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 I was like, you can't go I, more than five blocks without seeing yeah. dozens of them. I feel like it was a thing I could kind of tolerate. And then I, it was getting, I don't know. I, yeah. 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 But it, um, like, so I heard a Seth Rogen in her interview and he talked about how his dad was like oh no no no, you should smoke weed because you're a mess without it (laughs) like i guess when he was a kid he just had such bad like um mental health issues that it just was the one thing that kind of stabilized him Mm -hmm. now i think like seth rogan kind of gets a little bit much i think with all that stuff but i mean i don't know i don't don't want i don't know how bad it is for him or you know like whatever i'm just saying but I, i i get annoyed with like the weedness of him if that makes sense um yeah. But yeah, I, I'm kind of like uh, I don't really, I just don't see a problem with it, you know. Yeah. Like I, I get it. Like there's a, there's a difference between like heavy on marijuana use, where it's like, especially given the fact that like a lot of pot isn't very pure, and it's just yeah. like laced with tons of other drugs. That's you know <laughs> that's a whole other thing. My my, my brother was he was telling me about my brother. God love him. Even like he's done everything, and he was telling me this story about. He's like, you know, I was in Dallas, drug capital of America. It tends to be one of those places where from Florida to California, the distribution models or uh, methods get funneled through. And he's like, and I'm at a nightclub that is owned by the band Pantera. I think it was a nightclub or maybe a strip club. But he's telling me this story. This is his early days. Uh, This is his testimony. Let me sensationalize it. Uh, But he said, uh, he's like, I bought a lot of weed from from that place. And I'm pretty sure it was laced with heroin. I'm like, oh, my God. And 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 he's like, yeah, it really messes you up. It really messes you up. Right? Now, let me just say this. Like, the intoxicant effect is what you want to avoid. Same with alcohol. You can moderate alcohol. You can sober up quicker. You know, but the idea of uh, the difference between marijuana, intoxicant, and and alcohol is that alcohol tends to amplify more negative characteristics, which is funny because that's always been the argument of of pro weed smoking is, you know, you you get hammered drunk, you want to go out and punch someone's face in, you smoke a bunch of weed, you, you want to keep playing Crash Bandicoot on the PlayStation, like you're not, you know, and eat some taquitos, like you're not really like driven to go to. But that's the other problem is you're not really driven to do a whole lot. And then I got high, but um, I will say like I'm I'm all in favor of people taking medicine that is for medicinal purposes. Yeah, and for yeah. people for people who are chasing drugs for recreational purposes. You need you need to find something else, and that's what's killing you. That's what's in, because then it becomes a numbing agent, and you're you're using a thing to hide from the emotional issues underneath. That's always what it is. We human beings are painfully predictable. 
whether it's porn or food or coke or weed or alcohol, we chase the things that numb us and take us away from having to deal with the real shit. But if you have anxiety and CBD oil takes away your anxiety a little bit, for the love of God, do it. But, like, that's the thing. Though. Like, if you do all the CBD oil, you're able to dwell in reality more. Yes. Because it's helping calm your anxiety. Like, it's about, like, can you, like, the thing that keeps drawing me back to God and the thing that, like, I'm going to sound like I'm a huge atheist and I'm not, but I'm just saying, like, is reality. You know, <laughs> you know, like, that's, it's reality. It's not ideas. It is reality. And I think one of the things that, bought, that like, frustrates me the most about, like, weed culture is it feels like a lot of it's not about reality. It's about just, like, trying to feel good in good times and, you know, whatever. And I'm like, that's – life isn't good all the time. <laughs> you know, like, I need – I like, we have – I want to – and I you know, I'm, I'm – as a person who's, like, been trying to, like, who's kind of – I'm realizing that, oh, wow, I do these things that are really annoying to, like, not to deal with reality of, like – my life is insanely stressful, uh, like, for, you know, at, at, at this point in time. These are good. Thank God for the Discord, am I right? You guys are great. You, you can join the Discord by going to patreon.com slash cf. That's patreon.com slash cf. And hopefully there's an active link in there for you to join. <laughs> it expires every seven days. <laughs> is it one of um, Moira's hypotheticals? No, 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 no. Oh, she does have a good one. Okay. Uh, someone posted this. Is it wrong that I thought you may be entitled to compensation reading this headline? Is it wrong for a husband to pay his wife money for sex? Quote, is it wrong for me to motivate my wife into having good sex with me using money? Am I treating my wife like a prostitute by doing this? This was part of an email I received by a Christian husband going by the name of Luke. But before I answer this question from a continue reading, click here. I thought that was so funny. The response underneath it was a Christian husband named Luke, you say? <laughs> That's awesome. That's really funny. If you had to pay your wife for sex, how much would she charge? <laughs> I'm not just kidding. Yeah. That's a joke. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's a horrible thing to say. No, uh, and to answer this husband, uh, for biblicalgenderroles.com, where it originated. Biblical gender roles. Let me just say. Yes, you are wrong for having to motivate your wife into having good sex with you using money. You are treating her like a prostitute. Yeah. Just taking off your shirt and doing a little dance like I do should be more than enough motivation. <laughs> uh, I have a fr- uh, there's a person who um, who listens now, and every time I will, I just I'm a, I um, want to make a joke. I always think Blake Blank is listening. I can't say what I want to say. If we came out with a Catching Foxes fragrance. What do you think it would smell like? Mm. All right, there's a Burberry cologne that I really like. I feel like it's very me. So I feel like it would have that smell to it. I like how you already have an answer to something <laughs> like this. I love Burberry so much. Um, Socially Awkward Motherhood says, Pudding and Truly's Hard Seltzer. Is this even a question? And I'm so excited for people to, uh, to be able to buy the merch stuff soon. It's going to be awesome. Okay, uh, Carlisle says, I can see a line of Catching Foxes fragrances. The Demi, chocolate pudding, baby powder, body glitter. <laughs> the Franciscan, musk, flannel pajamas, stale cigarettes. <laughs> and like flip-flops. <laughs> the Mama Bird, beer, used books, flop sweat. Pod- the podcasting, rubbing alcohol, fresh, quote-unquote, underwear. <laughs> Fruit Brunch, Capri Sun, and The Extrovert, <laughs> Oppressive Humidity, After Dinner Breath, 
and sawdust. <laughs> There'd be a thing I would. It would be one called the '90s, where it's just the smell of like a hemp necklace that's been worn all day, <laughs> with or without seashells. Oh, with. 